Welcome to the Five Run Eight Podcast. I'm your host, Michael DiNicola. This is the podcast that talks to amateur runners from the 518 area code who juggle family and work while training for distance races on the weekend. This episode of Five Run Eight is the second one for the Legend of the Fall series and is with Ryan Advadia. Ryan is a graduate of the University at Albany and an alum of their cross country and track and field program. An accomplished runner, he held the school record in the 5,000 meters and ran his first competitive marathon, finishing third with a time of 227.36 recently in the Marine Corps Marathon. Find out now why Ryan is a legend of the fall. Ryan, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here with you. Awesome. This is great. So you recently ran in the Marine Corps Marathon. Let's talk about that most recent marathon that you ran how did that go for you yeah so it it was my first it was my first competitive marathon um i actually ran it three three years ago with my grandfather we ran um the whole thing together in torrential downpour and it was um it it, it was a long time out there just about five hours but um but no this past time that i did it um you know i really put in some heavy training into it real serious training and it was a great experience. It was a big learning experience for me. Um, never racing more than the half marathon before. Um, I, I was able to go into this with a very open-ended goals, um, with a primary high level goal being just to finish it without, without totally bombing. Right. And just being able to hold a good pace and, um, just be able to have a good, good experience. Cause I think sometimes you go into a race, you have, uh, bad experience that leaves a bad taste in your mouth and you, you don't want to race that again. I know I experienced that in college with the 10K on the track. Um, but I, I was very happy with it, with finishing with a 227 uh, and 36 seconds um, and, and a third place. I was more than I could have asked for. Um, the weather was absolutely phenomenal. Um, the crowds were exhilarating, super, super exciting. The course is scenic. And, you know, to top it off to my, my wife, Kara, Kara Udvadia, um, she finished second for the women in 247 and eight seconds. So it was, it was overall a great race and an exciting weekend. That's awesome. What a great, uh, what a great first outing for you for the marathon, huh? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and it leaves me excited um, and, and anxious to get back out there and do another one, hopefully next fall. Okay. Just a question about when you were running that marathon, were you conservative for something like 15 or 16 miles or what was your, your plan inside of there when you were running it? Even though you I mean, had go, going, going into it, I, I had the goal of trying to hold, hold a 540 ish pace. And, you know, I got to the second mile and I looked at my watch and I clicked off a, like a 556 and I was like, this isn't good. So I kind of took the next downhill to get a little momentum and pick up the pace and, somehow from mile three all the way to mile 24 or 23 i was clicking off 530s between 525 and 530 which is way quicker than i had hoped and sort of every mile in the beginning i was kind of telling myself hold back a little bit hold back a little bit because i didn't know how i was going to finish i didn't want to kind of dig myself a hole there and then be struggling in, in the last five or ten miles um but what was interesting um and it kind of made me nervous during the race was i was 
by myself the entire time from mile two all the way to the end. I didn't have anybody to run with. Um, I, I ran past a couple of, of the wheelchair athletes, a couple of um, the men and women in the 50K that had started earlier in the morning. But from there, it, it was just, there were some spots where it was really boring, where there wasn't any crowds on the course to cheer you on. Um, it was really just the the folks at the water stations that, that cheered you on. But, you know, I, I wanted to take a conservative approach. Um, I didn't. I was happy. I, in, in the end, I was happy that I didn't take a conservative approach. It, it worked out well. I don't think I would have ran as quick as I did um, had I started out slower. Okay, great. So that, that strategy totally worked for you. And um, I know we had, we had talked before uh, that the last uh, mile or two was a little bit uphill in that race. What was that part like for you? Yeah. So just that mile, when I got to mile 25, I, I, I kind of hit the wall at that point and it, it was my slowest mile by about 13, 15 seconds. But right when you got to the 26th mile, there was a, a left turn that you make to go up into the park and it's uphill. The last 300 meters was all, all uphill. And it doesn't sound a lot, 300 meters, and it wasn't a super steep hill, but when you just run 26 miles and you got to go uphill for a little bit, yeah, it hurts, and it's not pleasant at all. Um, it, it felt like a long 300 meters, but, you know, it, it's the Marine Corps Marathon. Part of me wonders if they, des- they did that on purpose just to, you know, make you tough and, and say, hey, we got a tough course here. You got you to finish strong uphill. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think there's much I could have done to prepare for that. I knew it was coming. I just didn't expect it to to hit me as hard as it did. I see. Well, at the end of uh, that many miles, I mean, uh, you're going to be hurting no matter what. And when you face a hill like that, it's probably a, it's going to be a struggle to get through it. But you finished and you ran a great time. So that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And uh I was also, uh, I wanted to ask you about your high school and college running career. You know, when I, when I see a runner like yourself out there and you're doing well in races, like I saw you at the, um, last time I saw you running was a Malta 5k event and, uh, you did, you of course won that race. You did really, really well. I'm like, wow, geez, what was he like in high school? What kind of a college career did he have? Um, can you talk a little bit about your pathway from high school to college who coached you and how do the programs that you attended benefit you? Yeah, so I, I went to high school at Shore and Wading River. Um, it, it's a small Class B school in Suffolk County, Long Island. So it's there, there's not too much going on out there. But um, I actually didn't run cross country my freshman year in, in high school, and that was because I wanted to run road races instead. Um, looking back on it now, I don't know if that was the smartest choice, but everything worked out. Um, but I, I wasn't anything great my, my freshman or sophomore year. Um, it wasn't really until my junior year in high school um, that I kind of realized I had some talent and I had a lot of potential. Um, my coach, Bob Szymanski, he was extremely motivating um, and kind of he took a special interest in me. And, and he, I think he did a great job with keeping me healthy, making sure I didn't go overboard with mileage and, and workouts. Um, he was smart with putting me in the right races. So I owe, I owe a lot of credit to him for my high school success. Um, 
when I transitioned to college, I started my first uh, three semesters of college at High Point University, which is in North Carolina. And every, everything went well there. It, it wasn't the school for me. Um, you know, I, I struggled a little bit my first season there in cross country. And I think by the indoor and outdoor season, my freshman year, I was sort of getting the hang of it and, and learning the difference between college training and, and, and sports and high school training and sports. Um, but once I, once I transferred to UAlbany halfway through my sophomore year, you know, I, I kind of went through another transition period where you got to adapt to a new culture, a new coach, new training. And I, I struggled a little bit again. I was a little worried, like, it, is this it for me? Am I, you know, am I never going to run well again? And I kind of took a step back and tried to gather my thoughts that summer and, and really put a lot of work into my training. Um, my coach, Matt Jones, um, he's, he's a pretty well-known guy in the Capital District. He was, um, he, he was really good with giving me the training that I needed, um, individualizing training and giving me what worked for me and not necessarily a, a blanket workout that, that applies to everybody. Um, you know, during my, my cross country season, my junior year there, I, I started to really develop and it was my indoor season um, that I kind of accepted the fact that I wasn't a miler and it was time to move up to the, the 5k and even the 10k in the springtime. And it, it worked out really well. I was, um, you know, running low 14s. I'd gotten down to a 14, 13, um, in the indoor season of my junior year. And, you know, in the springtime I had, uh, broken my second school record in the outdoor 5k. Um, and I attempted the 10k, which you know, it didn't go as well as I hoped, but um, it, it, was, it was a good experience, similar to like I mentioned with the marathon and just something to learn from. Um, you know, in my, my senior year, it, I didn't struggle with injuries, thankfully, so I was able to get through my senior year. Um, you know, it really wasn't anything spectacular or exceptional. It was similar to my junior year where it was just, you know, I felt as though I was just maintaining my, maintaining what I was um, my times for the most part. And after college, I, I was able to take a little rest and, um, try to set some goals again that I wasn't able to accomplish in college and start tackling them again. Wow. So, uh, you mentioned that you, you broke two school records. Was it the indoor 5k and the outdoor 5k that you broke or, or something else? Yeah, so the first one was the indoor 5K. Um, myself and, and my teammate, Kyle Granaste, we had broken it at uh, the indoor IC4A ECAC championships. Uh, I had run 1413.3. He had run 1417. Um, and interesting enough, that, that school record that we broke was faster than the outdoor school record. Uh, the outdoor school record was a 14.19 and I had run 14.18.8 and that was at the Penn Relays. It was, uh, it was Bill Vano, so I, I know you went to UAlbany with him. It was his school record. Yes, that's correct. It was, was his school record and uh, that's great that uh, your name's on the wall now, huh? That's, uh, that's awesome. 
It, it, it was up there for a short time. Uh, the same teammate that I mentioned, Kyle, um, after I had graduated, he had another year of eligibility. So he kept, he kept getting better and better. And, and he's now sort of the, uh, the distance guy who's got his names up there. Um, yeah, he's got some spectacular times too in the, the 3K and the 5K and the 10K. Okay. So that, that means your record was already broken by him like the following year? Yeah, yeah. So my, my record stood up there for a year, and, and then he, he, he took over it. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so that's, that's interesting to have a record stand for so long, and then, uh, then it starts getting broken repeatedly. Wow, that's, 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 uh, that's competition for you. So that, that's, that's great competition there. Yeah. Um, and, okay, so you talked a little bit about your college career and the pathway that you followed, and you wanted to set other goals for yourself. Um, so when you started running races again, how about opportunities for sponsorship? Did, did they ever kind of present themselves in any way, shape, or form, or are you currently sponsored by anybody? No, I, I, I was never approached really for any big sponsorships, and it's I don't believe I ever explored that. Um, there were opportunities to join um, some clubs in, in the local area, and I did have the opportunity. I could have you know gone out to like Boston area because um, they have a few clubs out there for the for the New England region. But no, I, I never I never got involved with any sort of sponsorship or clubs after college. And when uh, when things had shut down in 2020, what were you originally working toward? I mean, I know you, ha- you set some goals for for after college um, and 2020 was a weird year where everybody got everything messed up for themselves. What were you originally working toward and how did you pivot with your training to maintain and improve your fitness? So coming out of college, my goal was to keep keep working towards racing on the track. Uh, I, I was really focused on the 5K, wanting to break 15 minutes, uh, wanting to train again to get back into the 10K and, and post a better time there. Um, so, you know, through 2018 and 19 and early 2020, that's primarily what I was doing, um, just running on the track and I had some good races. I had some bad races. Um, I think during that time I can think of one PR that I had in the mile. It was a four Oh nine. Um, that was in February, 2020, probably less than a month before, uh, everybody decided to go into lockdown, you know? Um, but from there I was, I felt a little bit lost, not knowing what to work towards. And I'm sure a lot of other people felt that too, because there's no races nobody knew, you know, when's the next race going to be? Everybody was kind of just running blindly, possibly. Um, you know, once things started to open back up in 2021, I think the first race that became available to me was uh, the Shelter Island 10K on Long Island. And that wasn't until um, late June of, of 2021. So, you know, it, it was during that time, I just did a lot of mileage running. It wasn't any intense training. I didn't put together any hard concrete goals. Um, I think there was a couple of times there I heard whispers of, Oh, this race is going on. Um, that race is going on. So I, I kind of use that as, as sort of a marker or, or a goal to work towards, but it never really panned out. And it, it sort of just became a, um, sort of a mental break for me in a, in a way, because I never took that full break after college. And everybody does need that break. So that was probably a blessing in disguise for you, would you say? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and it, it ended up turning into my transition from racing on the track to road racing because I haven't raced on the track since February of 2020. So it, it was a good transition. And like you said, it was some much needed mental rest um, just to sort of take my head and my mind out of the, the competitive mindset and decompress and regroup once it was all over. That's good. That's very, that's a very overall healthy choice for you, I think. And um, I kind of wish I had, had taken some time off during 2020, except I kept building mileage and uh, well, I did do some of the fall races that, uh, that did come up, but I probably could have benefited from a break myself, but that was a wise decision on your part to do that. Um, and speaking about that, I was wondering if you've dealt with, with, uh, any injuries along the way. Um, now I know we, we talked before that they have, they had some services for you at, uh, U Albany where they would have somebody do, let's say ART on you if you needed it. Um, ha- have you had any injuries that needed that? How did you come back from any of the injuries that you've, that, that came over you? So interestingly enough, <clears throat> I think every high school and college teammate that I had dealt with an injury, uh, stress fracture, stress reaction, something. And fortunately, I never lost time uh, from competition or training due to injury. I never had a stress fracture, stress reaction, um, torn ligament, muscle strain, nothing like that. Um, And and I'm extremely grateful that I, I still haven't had anything major like that. Um, we, we did have an athletic trainer at UAlbany and she was phenomenal during my time there. Um, you know, other than a few nagging injuries, I can recall having some plantar fasciitis and Achilles tendonitis, both of which I was able to train through and and compete through. Um, I don't really think they held me back at all. Um, that was probably the extent of my quote unquote injuries, um, Again, I, I'm just extremely fortunate and grateful that I, I never dealt with any injury whatsoever. Well, that's good. Well, you, you, it sounds like you had a good uh, trainer there who uh, kept everything in check also. And uh, Achilles tendonitis is an injury that one can train and race through. You just have to manage it properly. Sounds like it was managed properly for you. Yep. Let's, uh, let's talk about racing shoes uh what kind of uh training and racing shoes do you train and compete in so as far as training i've switched on and off between saucony and nike and right now i'm running in in under armor um the under armor machinas and same thing for racing i've switched on and off between so many things mostly i think all of them have been nike uh up until the past year i switched over to the adidas adizeros and just recently for the marathon and, and for the Malta 5K, I'd raced in um, a pair of Saucony shoes, uh, the Endorphins. And they are like any other, sh- they're not like any other shoe that I've raced in or trained in. They're, they have such a pop to them. They, you know, a lot of people describe them as like little trampolines under your feet. They really just propel you forward. And I absolutely love training in them. Um, I know not every shoe fits every person or suits every person, but I, I would recommend them to anybody um, so long as it, it keeps them healthy. But, 
you know, some of my favorite shoes that I ran in was um, uh, the Nike Vomeros. They were one of their older models was phenomenal. That's what I mostly trained in during college. And once that model got discontinued, I think it was the Vomero 10 or 11s, they were discontinued and the newer model just wasn't, it wasn't anything great. So I was kind of looking around, shopping around, trying something different. And, you know, I've been running in these Under Armour shoes for two, almost three years and they've been working great for me. So I'm extremely happy with them. Uh, by chance, did Albany give you shoes to train in and race in? Yeah. So during, during my time at Albany, they provided us with uh, a training shoe, a racing shoe, and um, I take that back Two race, two training shoes, one for your, you know, your normal mileage and another one sort of a workout shoe. Um, and then the third being your racing shoe, uh, either for cross country season or, or for on the track. Oh, okay. That's nice. I only got one pair of training shoes from them. Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> but I only stay there one year. So that's probably why, <laughs> but yeah, a little bit different for me, but, um, well, that, that's great. And uh, we were just, just talking before the podcast, your plans for, I mean, you've just done a marathon, you know, one would think that, oh, okay, I've done a marathon, I'm done, but what's on the schedule for the rest of this fall? And then also for next year, what do you, what do you foresee? Yeah. So for, first things first is to recover from the marathon and stay healthy. So as long as that pans out well, I'd like to try to run the stock eight thon which is coming up this weekend. Uh, but again, that, that's going to be determined on how I'm feeling. I don't want to jump into something that um, could push me towards an injury or, or just a, a disastrous race. And then after that, it will probably, my wife and I will run the Troy Turkey Trot 10K, which is, you know, it's tradition for us now. We run it every year and it's, it's a really great event. Um, as, as far as next year, I haven't picked out anything just as yet. I have a couple that are on my mind that I'd like to do. Um, there's the Shelter Island 10K, which I try to do that every single year. It's a really, really great event out on Shelter Island. Um, it, it's a race I've been doing since 2009. Um, so I have, I have some nice memories there. And we'll probably run the Firecracker 4 in Saratoga and then just the normal fall races that come up, such as the, the Oktoberfest, Stockade-a-thon, and the Turkey Trot. But um, we definitely need to pick out a marathon that we want to run. I don't know if it would be a bigger marathon like the Chicago or New York city marathon, which just went off or something a little more local and, and smaller, like the Hartford marathon or even the Hartford half marathon. Those are really competitive events. Um, you know, we just gotta, I gotta sit down and look at the calendar, see what's competitive, see what's out there and what works well for my schedule and, and training. Ultimately, I want to pick something that's a little bit earlier in the year because I'd like to have some downtime, a little bit of rest before um, before ramping up training for Boston 2024. Nice, that's a good goal to have. Um, you mentioned Shelter Island. When, when, and when, and uh, where is that? So Shelter Island, it's a little island on Long Island. I know that sounds silly, but it's a little island out there on the East End. Um, and they have a, they have a 10K there every year. You have to, you have to drive all the way to the East End, take the ferry onto there. And they usually get about 500 folks to show up for it. 
And it's interesting too, because the thing starts at 5.30 in the afternoon on Father's Day weekend. Um, so it's not your ideal road race that starts, you know, eight or nine o'clock in the morning, but it's, it's really competitive. You can usually um, expect guys to show up there, run under 30 minutes for the 10 K they offer a decent amount of cash prize. And I mean, it's been going on for, this will probably be their 44th or 45th annual uh, running of it. So it's, it's a really fun event. Um, like I mentioned, it, it's something that I first ran in 2009 I, I run the whole thing alongside my grandpa and i remember whizzing past him in the, in the last 400 meters of it um but yeah it, it's one of my favorite races to do it's a beautiful course along the water um so it, it'll it, it'll definitely be on my schedule for next year and i was that that sounds really nice um it sounds like you have a uh some good plans for yourself for now and later. And it sounds like a, a decent racing schedule that's, you know, relaxed. You pick and choose what you want. Um, and it, it doesn't also doesn't sound like you really run too many uh, grand pre events, you know, try to score points and things like that. Did that ever interest you before? No, I, I I've heard of those. I never looked into them. I, I kind of, I kind of thought you had to be a part of a club to enter into some of those, like, like the USA track and field championships, for example, um, it, it's something maybe in the future that I would look into, but I think for now, I, I kind of enjoy having the freedom of choosing where I want to race and, um, when I want to train and when I want to compete, um, and not being tied down to a club or a team as much. I, as much as I enjoy being a part of a team and, and miss being a part of a college team, um, it's just something that I don't think I could commit myself to right now. I see. Totally understandable. Um, and I was wondering if you could tell us about a typical training session for you or say a training week. I mean, we're all, uh, most of us who are listening here are, are juggling jobs with, uh, you know, trying to train for races on the weekend. Um, how do you organize yourself with that, with the full-time job and everything? And, uh, what does the typical training week look like for you? And how do you work in strength, strength training on top of that? So my training, um, I'm extremely fortunate in that I work from home most days of the week. I'll go into the office, um, on Wednesdays, but, um, I have the freedom during the winter time when it's cold in the morning and cold at night and dark that I can go out and run in the afternoon at lunchtime. Um, so I have that flexibility there. And, and even during the summer when it's hot, I can get up not super early, get my run in in the morning, and I don't have to rush to shower, eat breakfast, and get in the car and go to the office. Um, so I have a lot of flexibility there. Before we had this work from home model, it was getting up super early in the morning, getting a workout in, starting my warm up at you know 5.30 in the morning in some cases, and it's dark and cold. Um, I don't miss that at all. Um, I also don't miss having to do it after work where I'm tired. Going out for a run or doing a workout is the last thing I want to do. Um, but over the past two years, I, I've gotten into a really good schedule of, of putting together good training blocks for myself and for the most part, sticking with them. Um, so I, I kind of break up my training one week at a time. I'll, I'll have my long run. Um, they used to be on Saturdays. I, I'm sorry, they used to be on Sundays, but I've moved them to Saturdays. 
Um, and I'll have a workout day sometime during the week. So usually Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, that could be anything from interval training, rep training, um, a, a light fartlek, hill workout, or tempo. Um, and tempo is probably one of my favorite workouts to do. It's, it's something that I actually struggled with in college or early on in college and, you know, training with, uh, with Kyle Granaste, I, I got better and better with it. Um, being that it was his strength and it was my weakness. Um, so it, it's one of my favorite workouts to do now. And I did a, a decent amount of that for my marathon training. And, you know, I, I think it was pretty beneficial. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think I did anything wrong with that one, but as far as strength, strength training goes, I used to go to the gym twice a week uh, to try to align with what I was doing at UAlbany. We would go to the, the weight room and it wasn't heavy, heavy lifting. It was just enough to um, just enough to make your muscles a little bit sore and keep you healthy. That, that's really the end goal for me is for the strength training to keep me healthy and, and prevent injury. But right now, as I lost access to gyms and just being more consumed in a full-time job, it was hard to get out there and, and go to the gym. So um, being that we have a house now, we can, we have more space. So we have a dedicated area, you know, with weights, we have um, squat rack down in the basement. So we're, that's just something that we got now. And we started creating ourselves um, uh, weight training plans to stick to. So there's more to come on that. I think it'll be beneficial as we get a little older and we have to do a little bit more of the extra things to stay healthy. Um, but I, I'm looking forward to folding that more into the, into the training mix. Sounds like a plan. That's great. Uh, let's see. So what is your, uh, during the marathon, what kind of a race nutrition plan did you follow? So I started, the first time I started taking nutrition during a race was this past April at the Hildeberg to Hudson half marathon. And I started taking or eating the, the honey stinger gummies. I couldn't, I, I couldn't bring myself to, to eat the, the goo. It's, I think it's something with the texture. I'm just not ready for that. Um, but I, I find them to be super helpful. So during the marathon or, or during the marathon training, um, during my long runs and some of my, uh, tempo runs, I practice pretty well taking nutrition. Um, it's, one thing to, to take nutrition on a recovery run to sort of practice reaching into your back pocket, taking a little gummy out and, and eating it. Um, but to do that during a race is a little bit harder. And during the marathon, I struggled with that because it was cold in the morning. My hands were numb. So I struggled reaching back, trying to unzip my shorts, reach into the little pocket where I had a little bag with gummies in it, reach out, pull them and eat them. Um, it took a little bit longer to, to get five little gummies in my mouth than I had hoped, but, um, sure enough, I, I got it through. Um, so yeah, I, I, I definitely see the benefit in taking nutrition during races, drinking water, um, taking in Gatorade, which is, you know, drinking fluids is not something I practice, which, um, I definitely should have, uh, but it all worked out during the marathon, thankfully. 
Yeah, taking in fluids is also something I had to work on. Um, it's it's it just kind of feels like you're drowning, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and I get nervous that I'm going to get that swishy feeling in my stomach, and no, nobody likes that. Nobody likes that. No, that that is correct. <laughs> so it does it does take practice, and it is a learned skill to ingest things while you're trying to push your body like that. Um, and of course, uh, along these lines, what is your what is your favorite workout? Well, I kind of feel like you already answered this question. Um, but do you want to add a little more to that? Yeah. So in college, um, coach Jones would have us do, he'd put us on the track and it would sometimes be five, six, seven, eight, or up to nine miles of continuous tempo. And I remember the first time he threw us on the track and asked us to do that. I was like, this is going to suck. This sounds terribly boring. Eight miles on the track, just going in the same direction does not sound fun. Um, but for some reason I found to enjoy it and it's still one of my favorite workouts to do. If I, when the track is available and I have tempo to do, I would do it on the track. Um, I find it's a, it's a good mental exercise to force myself to stay engaged and, and focus on what I'm doing. Um, I also like the aspect of it that it's not a workout where I'm tied to time. A tempo workout to me is based on your heart rate. So you want to keep your heart rate in a good zone. If you start going out of that zone, you kind of want to pull back a little bit as to not ex exert yourself too much. Um, that workout also was followed by either six by 200 meter with a 200 meter jog or five by 300, which again, after eight or nine miles, it doesn't always feel pleasant to do that. Um, but it's good to practice the turnover after or, or sort of to simulate the end of your race. That sounds like a really challenging workout. Wow. Nine miles. Um, do you uh, currently have a run coach? You, you mentioned Coach Jones uh, before, the guy to you, Albany. Do you, do you currently work with a coach right now? No, currently I don't. As far as the marathon training went, a lot of the work, all of the workouts that I chose um, came from my father in law, actually. He was coaching Kara. Um, pretty much for the whole marathon training block. And I, I would steal some of the workouts that he was giving to her and they were great. They worked out really well for me. Um, one workout that was interesting was it was the first one of, of the marathon training block that we did during the summer. And it was, I believe 10 by 800 meter with, I think the rest was 400 meter jog. And the goal of the workout was to run your marathon time. So if your goal time in the marathon was 2.28, for example, you just want to run a 2 minute and 28 second 800. And you just want to stay on that. And the first time I did it, I'm pretty sure I averaged 2.27. And the second time I did it, it was a little quicker. I think I averaged 2.25 for them. But... Interesting enough, he, he did say that if you can do that workout and you can hit that time, then you can run that time in the marathon. And it worked out for me. I was able to run the workout in, in 227, 228, and I ran the marathon in 227. Wow, that was, that's an awesome matchup. That's great. And uh, again, along these lines, who is your cheer squad at home? I, I hear she's not far behind you. <laughs> yeah, I, I have my wife, Kara. She's definitely number one there. Um, but at home, home on Long Island, where I grew up, 
Uh, I think I have a, a pretty good sized fan base there between, you know, my mom and dad, um, certainly my grandparents, aunts and uncles, my high school coach, Coach Samansky, he's a huge, huge fan. Um, you know, I, I know in college, he was one of the first people that I'd reach out to after a good race. And um, it was always motivating to hear his excitement and just hear his his take on my races. I always appreciate his feedback. Um, I, I appreciate all, all my coaches' feedback. I think it's, it's some of the best um, constructive criticism that an athlete can get. And are you uh, are are you currently coaching any runners yourself? Is there any interest in that right now? I don't coach anybody right now. Um, I definitely have interest in it. You know, it's it's something that I could totally see myself doing as I get older, um, maybe as a part time retirement job. I think I have a, a lot of knowledge in the sport or and experience, um, and I have a lot more to learn um, as far as you know, like body mechanics. It's such an important thing and understanding that is, is important. And, you know, after, after graduating from UAlbany, I was a volunteer assistant coach with them for two and a half years or so. And being able to see, uh, to see track and field and cross country from the perspective of a coach and to see the excitement that they get after their athletes, you know, after a PR or, or a good workout, they get excited. And I didn't see that as an athlete. And I kind of started to see that once I graduated and I was sort of alongside them. So it's, it's something that I, I could totally do when I'm older. It's something that I, I look forward to certainly. Um, and I, I think I'd want to do it at the college level too. Yeah. I think all your experiences will, will make you a good coach and uh, the runners could probably benefit from uh, a lot of accumulated knowledge, not from the ones who have coached you, but also from your own experience. I think that's that's going to be work out for you great. Um, do you currently run with any clubs or groups right now, or do you primarily train on your own? Most of my training is on my own. Uh, once in a while, I'll, I'll be able to get together with a former, you know, college teammate or, or high school teammate, and we'll run together. But for the most part, you know, during the week, it's it's me by myself. Um, Sometimes on workout days, if if Kara and I were going out at the same time for a workout, we'll we'll definitely warm up and cool down together. But um, even a couple of recovery runs here and there, we'll do together. But for the most part, it's just me, myself, and I. Awesome. Yeah, you have all the flexibility in the world with that, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I, I have control of of how my run goes. That's good. And what is your favorite guilty pleasure food? I love Chinese food. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. What about, uh, what about hibachi? Do you ever do that? I did hibachi a couple of times. Um, I know the first time I did it, I did not do a good job with the, um, with the sake and catching the vegetables in my mouth. But the second uh, time, second time I, I pulled it off pretty good. Good. Yeah. That takes practice too. <laughs> when they start throwing things at you, you have to know what to do. With that. <laughs> yeah. But that's great. Um, so we've reached the part of uh, where this is our, our top 10, this or that. I'll, I'll ask you one, do you prefer one thing or the other? And uh, also maybe tell us why you prefer that. Are you, uh, I feel like I know the answer to this already, but morning or night runner? Definitely a morning runner. I, I like getting out there before it gets too hot, before there's too many people in cars. Um, and having the run done before I start my day. 
yeah, that's my process as well. Like getting it in, getting it done. And then, uh, well, we'll see about that second run in the afternoon. <laughs> uh, that doesn't always happen. So, okay. So next one, do you prefer the trails or the roads? Trails. I like the soft surface and in high school, in high school, all of our running was done on trails. We had the, um, uh, we, we had a big state park right behind our high school and there were tons of trails, miles and miles to go. So that's where we did all of our training. And I always look forward to going back there and running on the trails. And for races, do you prefer being awarded a medal or a trophy? I have to say trophy. I'll always find spot on a table or a desk to put a trophy, a medal, not so much. Awesome. And do you prefer for workouts? Do you prefer track repeats or hill repeats? Track repeats. I, I like putting on my, uh, my training shoes or, or my workout shoes and, and being able to just rip it. Gotcha. And next one, but here's a big one. Do you prefer coffee or beer? Depends on the time of day. Aha. Co coffee's good to start the day. Beer's good to end the day. Beer is good to end the day. How about that new uh, Druthers in Clifton Park? Did you check that out yet? I've been there quite a few times, yep. And oh, wow. my statement holds true. Uh, beer at Druthers is a good way to end the day. That's, that's uh, awesome. And uh, so when you're out running by yourself, uh, guy or no headphones guy? Headphones. I, I will... There's been a couple of times where I don't go out for a run because I can't get my AirPods working or, you know, my music player died, um, AirPods died, but I, I have to have music if I'm going out there by myself. Gotcha. Yeah, it pumps you up. And how about if you're, you're working out and uh, maybe even from a physical therapy standpoint, if, if you've had much of that, uh, do you prefer to work your hammies or your glutes? I have to say hammies. I can tolerate the, the pain or, or soreness from my hamstrings more than I can on my glutes. I feel like I, I lose complete mobility um, when my glutes are sore. And next question. If you, let's say you're in, in a race, maybe a nine-mile race, and then at seven miles, uh-oh, something's going on, do you puke it up or suck it up and keep going? Suck it up and keep going. And thankfully, I've never had that that happened uh -huh. it's happened to me before i mean depending on what i eat the night before <laughs> <laughs> tapping me in the boilermaker once mile seven uh, no no get down there no you want your saranac beer after don't you yes keep going finish <laughs> don't stop so yes so suck it up that's that's a good way to do it all right so it's winter time and you prefer dreadmill or the frostbite dreadmill um, I don't do well in the cold. My hands, it could be 60 degrees and my hands go numb. And when my hands go numb, I'm not, not very pleasant outside. So dreadmill. Aha. So you probably would have liked uh, the New York city marathon this past weekend. Most likely, right? This past weekend was really nice for running. Yep. Didn't have to put gloves on. Didn't have to strap on a bunch of layers. Um, I'm not looking forward to the winter coming up. Gotcha. And uh, last question, do you prefer the start or a finish of the race? For the start, the start, depending on the race, it can make or break um, how good of a race you have, especially in a shorter distance like the mile um, or even the 5K. If you don't get a good start, get yourself in position, you could be doomed. Gotcha. You got to start it right. 
La- very last item, last question. What advice do you have for somebody who's a new runner that wants, wants to get into it? You know, for, for new runners, I'd say have an open mind with what you decide to race. You know, if, if you're in high school or college and, um, you know, you're racing on the track, for example, I think it's important to have an open mind in what your best event or primary event may be. I know for myself, I was very gung-ho on wanting to run the mile uh, and 3K in college. And when I got to Albany, I had an open mind. I tried the 5K a couple of times and I did really well on it. Um, same same thing in, in cross country. I, I just didn't, I didn't like the longer distance at first, but I, I bought into the training. Um, you have to trust your coaches, trust what, trust what they're, they're telling you to do, trust the training they're giving you. Um, and, and just give it, give it your all. You don't want to, a lot of runners, I think are unsatisfied with their race when they have a little bit left in the tank. And you know, when you have a little bit left in the tank at the finish. Great advice, Ryan. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been great to have you here. Maybe I'll, I'll catch you at happy hour sometime. Great. Thanks for having me, Mike. It was great speaking with you. Thanks so much for tuning in this time to 5 Run 8 and the Legends of the Fall series interviewing Ryan Advadia. Tune in next time, we'll be interviewing another runner from the 518 area code. Special thanks also to Mikey Finn, our local rap artist who contributed music to this podcast. This is the third episode of Five Run Eight's Legends of the Fall series, and it's with Joe Sullivan. Joe is a master's runner on the Willow Street Athletic Club who ran 244.58 at the Boston Marathon earlier this year, and he recently finished the Kona Ironman Championships before running in the Stockadathon. Find out what it's like to be an Ironman during my conversation with Joe Sullivan. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Five Run Eight Podcast in my conversation with Joe Sullivan. Tune in next time, we'll be interviewing another runner from the 518 area code. Once again, special thanks to Mikey Finn, who donated music to this podcast.